Welcome back, everybody, to another Eats Beat podcast, the most delicious podcast in the Metroplex. The I'm ta- Rick Press. I'm Bud Kennedy. The table of three is reunited. <laughs> and I'm Nick Dean. We're all thawing out here at the uh, Star-Telegram <laughs> headquarters, and uh, we decided this was a good time to kind of look back on the year in dining. I can't believe 2013 is almost ending, but yes, I do. I do think it's going to be a good, delicious time to look back. Um, I, I, it's always a time to look back because my credit card bill is due for all this. <laughs> but you don't, you're not one of those people who waits till the end of the year to file all those expenses, are you? Just, uh, well, yes, I am. Uh oh. <laughs> all right. Hopefully, we'll we'll edit that part out so your boss doesn't hear. Well, let's talk about the biggest sort of trends in dining this year, Bud. What 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 was the biggest trend? Do you think? Well, you know, I, a lot of there was a lot of talk about two casual foods. Uh, you know, Tacos, you know, all the different taquerias and the new wave taquerias and all the different tacos. And then the fact that barbecue has become fashion now. And Texas Monthly added a barbecue editor and so much talk about barbecue. Those are the two real um, dishes that there was a lot of talk about. Well, and uh, several of the Dallas-Fort Worth barbecue joints were kind of in there. And and there's also some others that have made some splashes this year. Yeah, we had a rise of the new barbecue place. I mean, Pecan Lodge Mm -hmm. finally made like state splash and then barbecue on the brazos and right. and and jambos and some of the ones that are that are new here started getting some attention too but you know it, it just there are all these in in austin now if you're 25 and 26 and had been out of college four years and hadn't found a job yet the cool thing to do is to open a barbecue place <laughs> and so the uh, so it's like all this new hipster barbecue Right, and also hipster uh, beer, right, right, Nick? Yeah, I would say that one of the biggest trends I saw was a look at local breweries and then them becoming and kind of pairing with really good food. So it was not no longer could you have good beer or good food. It's that pair of both in a really cool environment. Yeah, that that's the expectation now when you go to a lot of places. Uh, you know, if they don't have at least five or six local beers on tap— right. Uh, it's probably not a place you're going to come back to. Yeah, I do think that, I mean, quality of food is always something that people, when picking a restaurant, think of. But in Texas, I think quality of food and beer options are the two things that would come to mind. So. Yeah, I mean, the, the, you know, it's, the gastropub is not really a new trend, but I, I think the integrating of local beers, because we've had such an explosion of, of craft brew in this right. area, and uh, no place probably is shows that more than Poor House, which is where we're going to have our uh, final four tasting on saturday right. uh poor house we talked to the, the owner eric cheddar and he says every four years he likes to kind of freshen things up and so they've done a, a kind of a, re- a nice redo on the interior there and they have a 75 tap beer wall now wow. at the poor house and among those 75 a lot of the beers that we had in our uh, dfw.com beer bracket yeah that's a, that's a legacy sports bar that's been in the business for 20 years right. and has come from the age of Miller Lite and Coors Light to the age when everybody wants, you know, something more local and more authentic. And, yeah. And, and so he's turned it around. And then, you know, you have that, and then you have the the new generation gastro pubs like Bird Cafe that's about to open. Bird Cafe and, and also uh, our beloved rodeo go to, even if you go in there, I mean, they have... Mm-hmm. A, a ton of great local beers. There. Same owners and the same beer guys involved. Right, in both they understand that you know, the owners of Flying Saucer, so they understand the importance of good beer. Yeah. Now, Bird Cafe is is part of the other trend for the year that I wanted to mention, which is the 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 um, the, the signature, uh, the casual bar and grill, but with with a signature chef and the chef driven menu. Mm. You know, it, it it used to be Rick. We used to talk about how 
people didn't go out and dine and drink in the same place. You would go someplace and have dinner, and it would be all about <laughs> dinner. And then you would go somewhere else afterward and have, have cocktails. drinks. Yeah, yeah, have cocktails or drinks. And and even the first couple of of generations of this didn't really work because the uh, the, the management had trouble figuring out whether they were catering to drinkers or or diners. You know, right. do you send somebody to the front door with a menu and say? You know, here's your menu. Do you do you see greet and see people as there's salt and pepper on the tables? What do you make your business look like? And they had trouble figuring it out. But now we've got the gastropub kind of concept where it's all about chef-driven food and craft beer. You know, Bird Cafe spinoff from Meddlesome Moth will be another example of that. And then we have these other casual grills. Up. Yeah, all in a casual atmosphere. They, you know, you can have some TVs nearby mm-hmm. so you can keep an eye on the game. You know, you don't have to get dressed up. Even though the prices are going to inch up on you, I mean, it, it, casual does not mean casual prices necessarily. Well, I, and I want to ask Nick. I mean, I I don't know how people afford to go out because it's like you know yeah. seventeen, twenty, thirty dollars for for a dinner. And well, a, Max's and a beer. Wine Dive is a good example of a place that right. that that says it's a it's a dive. Yeah. But they 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 have wine and they have champagne, they have fried chicken, and yeah. so it's kind of trying to straddle this line between, like you said, chef driven high end food. With pretty high-end prices, but a casual atmosphere. Yeah, I mean, I think that the prices on there, some people go for the bigger ones. But even, I feel like most of the places in Fort Worth that I've been to have even stepped up their kind of small plates or happy hour time. Mm-hmm. So they're they're kind of making it that way. Is the people who really want to enjoy it but maybe can't afford it are, they're even catering to them by their happy hours and their specials and the times that they offer it. And, you know, a certain day you go to one place and it's going to be cheaper than on the, you know, they have like Wednesday draft beers or something like TNP Tavern has Wednesday's drafts are like three bucks. So you get a local brew for $3. So I think that's why so many are being successful is because you'll get them throughout the week where, you know, and they draw certain crowds and they kind of have a mainstay of people who come. So but, you got to keep posted on the Facebook page and Twitter to yeah, see when they have that's specials. That's true, though. I mean, is, is, we, we need the calendar. Is that all that? Right. <laughs> yeah. You got you to know when things are. I mean, over the ice, you know, during the whole ice thing, I, a lot of friends were texting me uh, like what places are open. And I was just going to their Facebook page and TNP Tavern was open. So we went there because it was open. And so yes. I, people still kind of wanted to get out some. And some some businesses did capitalize on that. I think a trend that is dying and died in 2013, maybe not died, but that's a really dramatic term, is food trucks. What you oh. saw, what you saw, even though we had that story that said that food truck licenses have gone up, right? I think that what we saw is success stories like Salsa Limon and Lee's Grilled Cheese opened brick and mortar shops. Yeah. So yeah. It's, it's the food truck uh, lifestyle is very, it's very taxing, very difficult right. to kind of make a go of that for any length of time. So right. I think if you have success as a truck, you're going to look to transition into a restaurant at but some point. Maybe that's where you go. Maybe you open a food truck. If you have this novelty idea to see if there's a market, yeah. you get overwhelmed. You open a, a well, salsa limon. The with startup a little, co- you know. Yeah. The startup cost is nowhere near what right. it would a be restaurant. to start a restaurant. Right. And so it's, it's great. And from a point of view of a patron, you know, we get to try all these different styles of food, right. but I do think it, there has been sort of a, you know, survival of the fittest when it comes to food trucks. Yeah, food trucks are very you know, weather vulnerable. And right. well, first of all, the whole idea of a food truck park, right. you know, it, it had to be a park. People started turning like used car lots into food truck parks, and right. there was no park, and it wasn't fun, and there weren't people. And it, it's either too hot or too cold to go to the food truck. The food truck uh, lots are, are successful at the same times of year 
that outdoor festivals are successful, Great. which is basically September and maybe April and May, and, mm-hmm. and that's and it starts getting in the summer. It's too hot, and we had some harsh weather, and it's hurt food trucks. Well, and the other, th- I mean, the reality of a food truck is it takes a while for them to turn out a large volume of food, and so you need to be at a food truck park where you can sit at the table, have some drinks, right. and not really yeah. sit there. And you know, if you have to stand in line and stand to the side of the line waiting for your food for twenty minutes. And still pay sort of restaurant prices. It's, right. The food truck experience is not exactly what you wanted. So yeah. there, there's certain scenarios where I think food trucks work really well, and I think we're seeing a shaking out of that. I agree with right. you. I, think I don't that, know if it's dying. It's not dying. But I don't think it's dying, but I do think that it's more of a proving ground for novelty ideas, and then they become restaurants. But, mm-hmm. I mean, I can count on two hands like how many food trucks they ate at this year so it's clearly yeah. not like becoming right. a, like a the sustenance year, whereas thing. in 2012 we were trying food trucks all the right. time yeah, yeah. So. and that i mean that goes back to 2011 when we talked about the food trucks during the super bowl here and all that and so. it may be smart that they latched on the festivals because you do in events they, a lot of the times an event will come out with the pr release that lists all the food trucks that are going to be there so if you like a food truck i mean it's kind of nice if you're going to the festival so maybe that's why they're still succeeding is that They've mm-hmm. realized they're more event driven and not park driven, but they're, they're running more like catering trucks. Where right. You say we're having a birthday party and and the Geppetto Pizza's right. food truck's going to be there, and, and and that works. You know, and one thing that changed too is that one of the nicest truck parks was down on the Trinity River near the zoo, and when and, and that energy all changed when the Fred's was running that, and mm-hmm. when Fred's opened on the Blue Bonnet Circle, mm-hmm. they devoted the resources to opening the new Fred's right. instead of operating that. Which is a good segue. I wanted to talk about sort of the big openings. Of course, Fred's opened a third location on Blue Bonnet Circle. I think the biggest opening of the one I was sort of most interested in was Waters, and John Bunnell's seafood restaurant. Mm-hmm. How, how do you think that's gone? It's still, still up in the air. I mean, the, the, the general buzz is that uh, people love sitting at the bar. They love having the shrimp. They love having the apple appetizers yeah, but uh, you know, people especially in Fort Worth are not are, are not that that interested in in skate or, or uh, you know just not that mm-hmm. interested in the high-end fish entrees but the the the, uh, the appetizers are great yeah it's, it's definitely a, a a pricey place if you're going to eat there more than just kind of on a special occasion yeah I think for for openings in I guess the nightlife realm you have reservoir which opened and does have a menu that some people do I guess really enjoy so mm-hmm. and that's been a success it's it was packed all summer it's you know that I think that opened this year or at least it, opened yeah that. but and then in the downside of nightlife you have brownstone which tried to be clubby food yeah, badly that was drink the, and that was brownstone. the place that started out with the top chef yeah. Right. attached to it Casey Thompson but it had a bar owner I say this was another place yeah. that had an identity complex mm-hmm. the, the uh, you know Brownstone was a bar owner who hired a chef and so she tried to run a restaurant he still knew all about running a bar when she left he continued to run it basically as a bar mm-hmm. and, and so it, it, it finally collapsed because people couldn't figure out you know what to go there for and, and the, the uh, and the, it lost the whole food and to this day it hasn't reopened so I mean Right, and but that wasn't the only place. I mean, Patricio, which was right next door or right nearby Brownstone, right. also closed, and that's West Seventh. Did that reopen area. though? No, it's West. It, it closed, reopened, closed again. It's West Seventh Shakeout. Yeah. West, West Seventh Bailey's, Bailey's Patricio, yeah. and, and Brownstone all closed. And you've right. got you've we'll got, got new, new things coming to West Seventh in yeah. 2014. You have AF and B. AF and B is a new chef-driven grill that'll and, open. And, and there's a burger place that's coming on Seventh Street. It's really, really. It's Bre- Brewsters, I think, is what it's called. And there are signs on it. It's right down. It's a couple. It's a couple um, storefronts away from AF and B. 
So, and they have signs up. It's supposed to be a burger place, but it better be a good burger place because yeah. that, that is like the, the holy grail area. Yeah, they're really, they're really setting up shop. I mean, so. that that takes nerve to open another burger joint over there. Well, it, I, anybody would say, yeah, guy, the people here must like burgers. You know, <laughs> so to round it out, um, what's one thing you're looking forward to food wise, 2014? I. You know, I'm so full from eating burgers <laughs> and drinking beer this year yeah. that I haven't really been able to look forward to to the you know to the new year. I mean, I, of course, I get excited about new openings, right. and, and I, I am looking forward to the opening of Taco Diner downtown. Mm-hmm. But that's sort of selfish because I work downtown. And, right. And, well, I mean, that you um, could be selfish. It's your favorite thing of the year. Yeah. I, I mean, I I think I'm looking forward to kind of venturing out and trying some new places. Kind, you know, Ken Arasso coming to. That was my to, pick for to, 2014. Uh, Magnolia was <laughs> sorry, no, you're um, fine. <laughs> but also sort of spending a little more time out in the mid cities, looking for new finds, is yeah. something I'm looking forward. Yeah, to. Yeah, you know something. Something was big this year was the success of F and G Eats in Keller, mm-hmm. and, and a, uh, I mean this is the same kind of Dallas chef driven. Uh, you know, a, a high-end grill concept, and people said that Keller didn't want to go out and eat. And Keller has been a success. Mm. You know, I, I think that the, having the Del Frisco's Grill in Southlake, F and G in Keller, starting to see a lot more foodie type of, of uh, places come to uh, North Tarrant County, where people aren't stuck with going down to the sports bar and right. having a burger. Which is where Lee's Grilled Cheese opened their brick and mortar up Lee's, there. Lee's, so. Lee's opened had a great success. You know, people have proven over and over that if you open in North Tarrant County with with good food and a, and a, and a, and a, a good attitude, that, you'll be that fine. You'll, you'll succeed. Yeah, my pick for 2014 is definitely Conoroso. I think that's going to be huge for Magnolia. I don't really know what Magnolia needs. I think it kind of rounds out the options on that street. Well, I, you know, I have to say that the thing that uh, really fascinates me about Magnolia is that you haven't seen the closings along Magnolia right. that you have in other parts of. And, you know, the general rule is, isn't it, that if, of every two restaurants that open, one closes. Right. Well, yeah. we've had a ton open along Magnolia Avenue, I th- and yeah. I don't think anything's really closed. Maybe the, maybe the flying carpet. I think, a cou- I think a couple things out there. I think there's a neighborhood literally a block away, so yeah. there's tons of people walking and a lot of support from the neighborhood over there's there, yeah. the tcu crowd loves magnolia yeah and mm-hmm. so do the date crowd so you've got that and it's just a new i mean it's just a, and it, it, it's kind of that thing it comes in with a good attitude it's just a play you know it's just it's a hangout. magnolia works because it has two completely different clientele it has dake business from the hospitals and doctor's offices and nurses ordering sandwiches and salads and uh. so it has a whole working lunch crowd that works there and then it has the night crowd that lives there who drives over in the yeah. neighborhood so it has to, it's a great, great place to run a, a, a restaurant. Mm. Well, the other thing I was looking for, you were talking about Salsa Fuego is supposed to open a burger. Oh, are they? Joint. And <laughs> so I, burgers is your turn. <laughs> well, I, I love the Salsa Fuego food, so any excuse to go out there and try another uh, burger. I've already got my little pet. Happy Bowl Thai has opened up on West 7th yes. in the Chikoski Center. Uh-huh. You know, I have the greatest, you know, gay pow and, and chicken panang and, and jungle curry mm-hmm. in Tarrant County is now like very close here on the West Side. <laughs> I know. And, you know, Thai food is a is a type of food that, at least in Fort Worth, we haven't had a ton of great Thai food. So They did booming business during the ice storm. <laughs> Torchies was open during the ice storm. Are we going to be back before the end of the year? Or are we going to? We might about? have to. You know, Nick is uh, is heading out on us, so we're we might have to hold up one more podcast to, for New Year's so Eve. Just at least tell people where to yeah, where to New go Year's for New Year's. I'm heading Eve. on a food adventure. I'll come back with great stories. That would be awesome. But <laughs> New Year's Eve, you know, is is 
some people say in the business say it's for amateurs, but I do like to go out on New Year's Eve, even, <laughs> even if, because I hate sitting, I hate the prospect of sitting at home on New Year's Eve. I like looking forward to the new year. <laughs> I've enjoyed uh, doing this podcast this year. It's one of, been one of my favorite things. So thank you, Bud. Thank you, Nick. Yeah. Thank you, Rick. And we'll come back and talk about New Year's Eve again. And I'll see you all next year. All right. Thanks. Sweet thing.